Hello and welcome to Addiction Talk. As always, we have a special guest joining us. And this time, our guest is actually joining us from our Laguna Treatment Hospital right there in Laguna in California. So she's going to be on in just a moment. But first, let's do a little recap. Jillian Barbary is a TV host, sportscaster, radio personality, and actress who's most well-known as the former co-host of Good Day LA, where she spent nearly two decades on the air. Her career highlights also include working with Regis Philbin and other celebrities, serving as the weather host for Fox NFL Sunday, and appearing on popular TV shows including Clueless and Melrose Place. Behind the scenes, Jillian battled an alcohol addiction for several years, but after beating breast cancer, she was determined to get her life and health back. Today, she's celebrating more than a year of sobriety. Addiction Talk starts now. And as I said, I'm joined by Jillian. She is live with us from our Laguna Treatment Hospital, where she's been out there touring the facility, getting a chance to meet patients. So welcome, Jillian. Joy, it is so great to talk. We were talking host to host earlier, doing a sound check. And when I was looking at that intro, I'm like, who is that woman? Oh, that was me. Yes. I was probably drunk through half of those stages. <laughs> Not anymore. Well, you know what's so interesting is, first, I wanted to ask you, what is it like to be in a treatment facility and to see other people today? I know you've had a chance to maybe meet some of our patients um, who are going through a journey that you've been on. They're in the early part. You know, I love this part of town. We're in Elisa Viejo and, and Guna Beach, just down the street. I was married to number one uh, here, and I love this area. It brings back a lot of memories. Um you know, some great. And I was thinking about my drinking journey earlier because I met two gentlemen that are here at the facility, uh, pa patients. And, you know, you come from all different parts of life. You can be across from across the pond. You could be from down the street, whether it's alcohol or meth, we all have the same issues and we're uncomfortable in our own skin. And it's nice to break away. And how do you break away? with alcohol or with meth. And so the coping mechanisms that are learned here at a facility like this uh, are incredible. It's the first everything again, right? So I was like, God, I have a whole party planner down here. She's like, the, she misses wings properly. It's the first night that you sing karaoke sober, she was saying. You know, uh, the first time I was looking at the treatment of uh, the actual um, facility where you sleep, which we call residences. Hello, Julian. Um, and you could have a roommate. Maybe you could be on your own. I was thinking, oh, my gosh, sober sex. That's weird. I don't know. So there's a lot of different firsts. And in speaking with these two patients, just so cool. We're all on the same journey. It's so nice to talk to people that speak your language. What I also found great was that, you know, you don't have to be an AA or NA, you know, and you could just be be here and be part of, of, of a, a, a society, you know, and I went a community, through the, a community, a community, other people who get it really. Mm -hmm. uh, 
who get it. They speak their language. And also seeing uh, the detox area. And you and I were speaking about Howard Stern earlier, um, being on Howard. I love Howard Stern so much. And when I got breast cancer, Howard and Beth sent me a massive bouquet of flowers. And somebody was asking me about you know, being diagnosed. And I was fine with my, my diagnosis. When I say fine, I didn't go for the model. When I found out I had lymph node cancer, mm, that's when it hit me. And I think, I, you know, within there a little heavier than I wanted to be. Um, and so your life can look shiny on the outside. When I was looking at my intro, I wasn't kidding. Who's that girl? Wow, she's had a life. It can look shiny and fabulous, but we could be feeling rotten on the inside, whether I always think, you know, who I don't know how where it comes from for a lot of people. I know where mine came from. I've gone through a lot of therapy to, to figure it out. But to realize I don't need to fall back on the drink for uh, for this um, mm-hmm. is pretty awesome. Joy. Well, you know, one thing I wanted to touch on that you said that's really interesting is that things can look shiny from the outside. Because I want you to take me back, Jillian. To your career, because, I mean, people remember you. You were like the co-host on Good Day LA. You were on NFL Sunday. I mean, you're co-hosting sometimes with Regis Philbin. I mean, at the time, God rest his soul. So from the outside, what were people seeing versus, Jillian, what you were really dealing with on the inside? Well, that's a, it's such a great question. And it's so convoluted in the sense that I look at my life in chapters. So I had my Montreal chapter where I drank, but normal. I was a normal drinker. I was a civilized drinker. I would go to dinner with friends and have a couple drinks. And then I got a job in Miami and maybe I would have a little more, uh, but always out in public, never drank alone. That happened when I moved to LA and it had nothing to do with the industry in the, in the sense that, oh gosh, you're on TV. But yeah, there are a lot of things that sparkle on TV, but under the surface, you know, I was molested as a kid. Uh, I was adopted. Um, I found my birth family wonderful, wonderful um, ending there. But both my birth parents uh, struggled, and they're both deceased now. Family who adopted me are amazing, but I did go through some stuff uh, on the other side that I could probably attribute to my own drinking. I've been married and divorced a couple times, single mom, breast cancer. I feel like there are a lot of reasons that I could have drank. My career was awesome, as you mentioned. Like, I had a great time on that morning show and I got to act and I got to to be in movies and be in sitcoms. But, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is that I don't care who you are. Everyone's got stuff and and, and we all deal with it differently. And just because I didn't get a DUI or I wasn't falling out of a restaurant drunk doesn't mean I remember coming on Instagram live and saying, Hey everybody, I'm an alcoholic. There was an incident that led to it. It was a blackout. And I didn't want to be that person for my kids. Um, single mom, you know, my ex lives hours away with, you know, the kid visit. But day to day, it, 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 the responsibility would fall on for nine years. And it's scary. Um, and that was it for me. I was done. Done. And at the time, you know, my kids, they saw me, they saw me go through cancer. I was my very good friend was going through uh, her own detox and issue. We kind of helped each other. And we had met on the set of Melrose place many years ago. Little did I know she would be my rock mm. when I came out as an alcoholic. And 
She is now four years sober. It's Heather Lockley. I don't think she minds me mentioning her. I asked her if I could, and she said I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we have such a great uh, bond in that respect. She has been a rock for me in so many ways. She's got the best sense of humor about things. Um, and that makes me laugh, and I make her laugh. So, you know, we we are able to be there for each other. I'm not a, uh, you know, alcoholic don't isolate, so I like to be by myself and drink. Um, those days are over. So I'm still a bit of an isolator. I still like to be by myself and paint. I do a lot of acrylic paintings that help me because this doesn't show We oh, know I have to go back, Jillian, because you've dropped so many things there. I think that I want to touch on. Number one, you talked about one, things being glittery on the outside. You know, you mm-hmm. said it wasn't till you got to LA that you started struggling more with alcohol and using it as a coping mechanism. But what you touched on that I thought was really impactful is that you realized that there were all these things in your past that maybe somehow started coming to the surface. You talked about being adopted and being molested and different things like that. So what do you think it was that was, that led you down the path to really start getting out of control with your drinking? Was there a moment? Yes. I remember uh, with husband number one, um, he was a major league baseball player. So if you know the schedule of uh, a player, they're gone for seven months a year. And I was also working on a very early morning show. Was, I was on a show for Good Day LA. And then I would do Good Day LA. And I was living in Huntington Beach. I was down here in the OC. And I had a great life. But I started to notice that I was drinking more because I was asking women my age, anchor women, questions about I always thought everybody was molested, to be honest with you, Joy. Mm. And I remember, you know, some anchor women saying, what? And I was like, oh, I'm just more open about it. You've probably had a, you know, a weird uncle kind of thing. And they were like, what are you talking about? So I I knew that things were kind of a little off. Um, And and so what I do, I tackle things head on. I think I do at least. Uh, So, you know, I'm adopted. Okay, I'll hire a detective and I'll find my birth family. Check. Said birth family meets my family that adopted me, check. Everything's great. Um, but I think being molested as a kid really was the groundwork for my alcoholism. Mm. Because I would see, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a very tough woman, but I remember being in therapy and I, I had no, um, I could feel such empathy for other children, but for myself, not so much. And I remember my my shrink saying to me, oh, um, do you have any friends with like little kids? And I did at the time. And she said, imagine that six-year-old and that's you. And I was like, oh, they're so little. And mm-hmm. it took that to make me, and that's when my real started because I couldn't imagine or cope. Um, and it took me until I was uh, 54 years old to figure it out. Wow. That's a while. Mm-hmm. I, I, I embrace women that are in their twenties that get it. I, I would say, Oh, you're so good for you. Um, but I also was sober for 13 months a long time ago when I met my birth family and I realized that my birth mom, she liked to drink and my birth mom uh, and dad got married after they had me. And uh, after they put me up for adoption and they ended up having two other daughters and those daughters do not really drink. But when I met my birth mom, I was like, oh, there you are. You know, there's, we were- there's a connection, Brian. There you are. Where have you been my whole life? Um, and so, yeah, I, 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 I've gone through stages of dealing with it. And mm-hmm. I went for 13 months without alcohol. And then I went on a date. And that was it for me. I was like, oh, oh 
five days, I was right back to where I was. And I was a good, I was good at hiding it. So people are like, were you ever drunk on the morning show? No, never. Um, I had to be up too early. I was too on. If you look so at when were shows, you drinking then, Julian? Was it with something like when you would go home at night or when did you find that you my, were getting to the Yeah, my drinking, uh, so I left Amelia at 46. My hardcore drinking started at 50. And when I say mm. hardcore, I mean day drinking. Um, sadness for longing for the TV show that I loved, you know, that I helped create uh, and just being so unceremoniously booted from it was just so hard for me that I did go to the bottle more, but not as much as five years down the line. That's when it really kicked in. And what caused that really for I want to stop you there because something you were saying was really hitting me. What caused it to really kick in? Because I know you said you started to unpack like your background of the molestation, yeah. then you're fired from a, a job you loved. Oh my God, I can only imagine as a former journalist what that was like. And then you get to this point where you're finding that your drinking is getting out of control. Was there something? Was there a, a catalyst, something that you were really struggling okay. with? So I think our egos get in the way of a lot of things. Um, and, and on Good Day LA, they didn't fire me. They said, we'll give you three days a week, and but you'll be in the field. You won't be on the anchor desk. And I said, no, ego. So I think regret leads you to drink. I didn't have regret for the longest time. I had sadness and anger. Regret came much later. And I thought, well, if I didn't have an ego, I would still be on the show doing something in some you know, who knows? And, but you can't, you know, anxiety is worrying about tomorrow and sadness is thinking about the past. So I try to stay in the moment. I think what did it for me was looking at my life and feeling like, gosh, I was an awesome wife. I, my, you know, I didn't want, my ex didn't have to work. I was the worker. I had the babies, you know, I'd love for somebody to take care of me. Well, it's not that cut and dry. It's not that simple. Or I was a great host and look what happened to me. It doesn't work like that. Life is gray. It's not so black and white. And I think I lived in that black and white area for so long um, that I I uh, I felt sorry for myself. Mm. And because I'm like, I worked so hard. I came from another country. I, I don't want to be a single mom. I don't want to be responsible for all the bills. But guess what? I am. And I was for many years, for almost a decade. So what? There are people that have... When I, I, you know, I talk no, about I don't think it's so what that's a bit. I mean, Jillian, honestly, what you went through, that's a lot. I mean, to have to not only you dealt with having the adoption and reconnecting with your birth family, but dealing with molestation and then dealing with the job situation and all of that. I can imagine like even now hearing you, I'm like, girl, you are powerful. The fact that you're still standing in the things you know, that you so do. funny you say that because yesterday, um, I don't even think about cancer anymore. And I got this thing in the mail, it's a cancer survivor, and I was like, Oh, who's that? Oh yeah, I forget. Um mm. uh, until you know, I feel my rock hard boo because I had radiation there and I have an implant, or my bones hurt because chemo, you know, takes a lot out of your bones, and I'm due for an infusion. But I was denied health care and I lost my my stuff yesterday. I don't know if you can swear, but I lost it. And I started crying. Then I opened up another letter, more bad news. I, I was like, number three, here we go. It was like, I was playing the lottery. Mm -hmm. It can't be bad. Oh, it was worse. And I said, are you mm -hmm. kidding me, God? Let's try for number four. I had four absolutely, they're horrible letters, but you know what I said? 
I'm here, I'm cancer free and stay in the moment, right? I had death and taxes at my door. And when I say taxes, holy crap, <laughs> um, it wiped me out pretty much. Um, and I didn't know I was in that situation because I was probably too buzzed, right? I'm the type of person, where do I sign? Um, and I didn't stay on top of things like I should. And the person who was responsible for the finances didn't sit me down and say, hey, idiot, you owe this amount of money. Mm-hmm. It got up to a point where I collapsed when I heard the amount. I didn't even collapse when I heard I had breast cancer. Mm. Right. So I survived all that. I say to myself, well, what more can come at me? I know a lot more. Right. I wow. women had worse things happen to them. So I'm I'm very cognizant that a lot more can happen. So be grateful for right now. And it's hard. Yesterday I had a horrible day, but I don't try to fake it. I, 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 I can't, I, I'm, I'm, I'm who I'm who I am and I do the best I can. And I, mm-hmm. we all do the best we can. Don't mm-hmm. you Joy? Like yeah. you just the best. We, we do. Can. We try to cope and deal with life. But when I look at you, Jillian, honestly, and somebody had put it in the chat, survivor. I mean, you have survived a lot and your story. And that's why I really wanted to share your story too, because there's somebody who, you know, feels like, man, you did what the, you said, the taxes and all of that different things, but yet you're still standing and yet you're still sober and yet you're still showing up. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, I see I Whenever you me cry on here, but still, oh, I see that in you. Just, you know. <laughs> Thank you. It's been, it's been a tough time, but again, I've I think I've been through worse, and I just try to be present. And when people say I'm a survivor warrior, I always feel so humbled because I always think there's way stronger women out there that I aspire to be. But I'm so grateful that I'm sober because. I can't imagine going through what I'm going through right now and drinking. It would be thousands of times worse. And I always tell people, you know, I, I've gotten through some pretty horrible things sober and uh, you can too. Um, They're still not over. And I face them on a daily basis and some days uh, get worse than others. And sometimes I just sit and laugh at the absurdity of it all. But I also, appreciate when I see that girl that you show I think she had no idea how good she had it when she had it right Mm -hmm. and there's that lesson enjoy what you have right now because back then I I remember I had four tv jobs now I don't have any and I would kill for one I would not Mm. that's the same like yes yeah I have four jobs and I'm reminded that I would come home and say I have no life why all I do is work on tv oh gee poor you. <laughs> you know, I would, I would love those days again, but it, it, so be it. And, you know, I know God has a different journey for me. I, I, I just know that. And I feel like this could be part of it. I love talking to people. I've met some people here today and we speak the same language and just to sit and listen to these two gentlemen speak. It's just humbling to me. And I think, um, you know, television was wonderful for me. 
I wish that I knew then what I know now and I could impart that wisdom because I have what so you much. Say? That's so good. I got Because when you say that, when people always say, I wish I knew then what I know now, what do you know now? <laughs> you know, I had to ask you that question because I think hindsight is always twenty twenty. But what do you wish you knew now? What would you say to that, you know, young woman at the height of her career or who we're oh. not going to say it's the height because you go make yeah. a company. You the do struggle is awesome. I have to say working my way up. I loved it. I loved living. I lived in a cockroach infested apartment building in Montreal and I was on TV and poverty was 11,000 a year and I was making 14. Mm. I didn't care. I loved every moment of it. I was 21 on TV on a network. I lived in a bad area of town. Did not care. Got myself to Miami, not by being a polished weather woman. I went and sent a tape of me doing all the screw ups and how I recovered from them. And I was hired right away because I think outside of the box. And that's what I tell young women. Think outside of the box. I have a 15 year old daughter. I've always taught her about life and things and people being deceptive or perhaps being molested. I've always taught them that's a sacred area that that you are sacred that your body is a gift don't treat it like crap mm. i've treated my body horribly uh, with ingesting things Be, you know and i didn't even try hard drugs until i lived in los angeles and i lived in miami i was saying i lived in miami in the 90s just coming out of the cow cocaine cowboy era but i was too scared to do anything like that that came later your inhibitions when you're an alcoholic they drop down so you're like, oh, I'll try a little of that. I'll try some cocaine. I was 38. Mm. Now I tell my kids, if you do that, it could be filled with fentanyl. And that could be your first and last try. It, it, you know, and it's so different now. And it's so scary. And I'm so grateful that, you know, mine, yes, it was legal drinking. Big whoop. If there were pills there, sure, I'll try that. Sure, I'll try that. But that was that was more rare for me it was the drink and that certain in particular i remember my girlfriend who was an addict i had a particular incident was this was my last day drinking i had blacked out and i remembered nothing and she came to me and the next day and she said you know do you remember anything of last night and i said no i was in my home i always used to do mm -hmm. it in privacy of my own home that's why i didn't get caught on tmz that's why i didn't have a, a, a dui I could have. You were doing it. You were doing it in secrecy. So nobody really knew. Yeah. Like I would go to dinner with the girls and they would have normal quote unquote, non-alcoholic, right? They weren't like, like I would get up from the table and somebody would leave this much wine and I'd be paying for the check. And I'd say, are you going to leave that? And they're like, you know, mm -hmm. I could never. And so I would come home and open up another bottle and I'm sure they mm -hmm. went home to their husbands and had a normal conversation and talked about work the next day. Not Jillian. No, I couldn't wait for the bottle to get home to recap the night by myself. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I, I, my, my girlfriend came over and said, say goodbye to your best friend. And I was like, which one? Cause I have Lisa and I've got, she's like Ron Bauer Chardonnay dummy. And mm -hmm. I remember it was like your best friend, Like you said, you come home and you're like, processing. And I think for a lot of people, that can be the case that it becomes like a friend because it's a coping mechanism. So yeah. you're relying on it. 100%. And this was a girl that I knew as an alcoholic, you know, we measure each, oh, if I ever got as bad as that, oh, she drinks it. And meanwhile, we're, that's judging someone. I'm no different. And for her to me, say that, I thought, oh, 
yikes, I must have a problem. Because she's the one that everybody used to say what was the big alcoholic. So wait a and minute, so let me recap for here. So you're saying you had someone that you looked at as having a drinking problem come to you and say, Jillian, do you even remember you blacked out? And in yeah. your mind, you're going, whoa, I always thought she was the one. Not she me. Oh, yeah. I mean, she at that point had had three years sober. We had lost contact. And the last I knew, she was pretty much hardcore. I, I thought maybe she was going into rehab. Maybe she was. But we lost. But our daughters were, were still friends. And so my children just knew that I was on the other side of the door screaming at someone. There was nobody. It was just me having a conversation. And I think in my, the darkest depths of my psyche, if I want to get really deep, I do have reoccurring dreams that I go back to the people that, you know, physically, uh, uh, sexually molested or abused me. And I, and I, and I've had dreams about screaming at them. And I know in the back of my mind who I was screaming at and probably what I was saying, because bits and pieces were coming back to me. Um, you mean yeah. during the blackout, like while you're having this blackout, this is happening yeah. that your yeah. kids are seeing kind of from the other side of the door, they can hear it. A hundred percent. And they, their dad, they called their dad who lives, you know, far away. He couldn't really do anything, but my girlfriend, you know, who came the next day and said to me, cause yeah, it's a long story, but suffice it to say, my children heard me arguing, threatening someone. And I know in the darkest depth of my mind, I, I I just, I know what and who there's a lot of darkness. I deal with a lot of darkness and I know who and what that was. I think um, I also feel, you know, um, I'm a, I'm a big advocate uh, for victims rights and I work with Deborah Tate and, and her sister Sharon was murdered by the Manson family. And I have faced all of those murderers on paroles. And I've been, you know, I've been a very fortunate um, person to speak on behalf of some of the people, the LaBianca family, for instance. So I have a lot of darkness that lingers and there are things that you want to say. Uh, so you think it just kind of came out during that blackout moment and then your kids yes. saw that? And so, and then they're reaching out yes. to their dad. And so what did that do? Was that like your wake up call? Because I know you said that was the last time you yeah. drank. Yes. My, my kids being scared, you know, and I'm re I didn't want them to relive it, but they thought I was yelling at someone. And I know exactly what, you know, I, I'm very protective of my children because I don't want what happened to me. I'm very open, you know, and I believe them. If they say mm -hmm. something, you know, I would, I would believe my child. And so I uh, think the genes that linger, right. Cause I'll, uh, addicts we have those demons they don't shut up they just blah, 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 blah. and I have a lot of those and so I think I was yelling at those demons and it could have been those people the man's people they could have been the people who molested me right so uh yeah I I I feel and I know for a fact my children were telling me some of the things I said that I would call what I was yelling at these people so I it it started to make sense in my head was that it jarring for you, Jillian? Because you say, you know, when your kids are telling you this, what was it about that? Was it the jarring that made you say, okay, I've got to stop drinking? No, what it was, was the fact that I, I, I blacked out that I don't I didn't remember it until my friend pieced it together for me. And my kids started telling me what I was saying. 
the aha moment went off, but it wasn't that it was the fact that I was blackout drunk. And what if one of my children needed to go to the hospital? Are you kidding me? No, never again. I've been blackout drunk three times in my life and that's it. Once is enough. You know, that was it for me. Uh, I have not had uh, a sip of alcohol since, nor, nor will I to today. I say today. Um, I am present for my kids. They, um, I, I want to be uh, uh, an active part of their, their being. Mm-hmm. The reason I, I want my daughter to know that I'm a strong woman. I want my son to know that I'm stronger than alcohol. I don't, mm. I'm not proud of, of that. What happened to me, what I did to myself, it didn't happen to me. I did it to me. Um, and I'm not proud of that. So I'm, I want to be, a, I want to be the best mother I can be. And that alcohol doesn't allow me to do that. It would love to stand in between me and my son and me and my daughter. And I don't want that to be the case anymore. But I do have to work through those demons in my head because I'm that. You said those girl. demons don't go away. So how do you, you're almost a year, over a year yeah. of sobriety. Congratulations on making that decision because every day that you Thank decide you. is huge. Every day, every day is big. So, you know, when you think about it, how do you cope now? Because, you know, you said this demons are still there and you, you know, you yeah. still have to deal with that. What have yeah. you found has been your saving grace? What gets you through the day to day? Everyone here. When I talk to people on social platforms and I hear their stories, oh, she's me. I'm her. I, 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 everyone here. And, and it might not be for me. It started during the pandemic. Social, they call it sober curious now, I suppose. But just like dropping in on a room where I didn't have to be seen, listening to people's stories and going, huh, that resonates with me. Um, I, I, I have the demons, but when I when I speak them, I've always been that verbal person. Uh, and I feel when I put it out there, it kind of, for me at least, it, it takes away the, um, the potency. It's power. It's power. It is. Because yeah. I remember being on television uh, way back in the day talking about mo- being molested. And I remember getting called in by one of the bosses, not my boss that I love, Jose Rios, but one of the big, big bosses, and being told, you know, nobody wants to hear that over their, over their morning cereal. And I remember saying to this person, well, if there's one 13-year-old girl out there that has been molested and she's listening to me and she sees me on TV. My job is done and I'll take it. And it's worth it to me. Mm. And I didn't, you know, having said that I could have been fired right there, but I do feel that there's a bigger mission for me. Yes. TV was a wonderful vessel, but the stories that I have to tell and to share and the ones that I hear on these platforms, be it Facebook, be it any of the other social fla- uh, platforms that I, that I'm on, that's what gets me by. And yes, I've had therapy. And yes, I've had shrinks. Are you kidding? I'm sure I've got them beach houses in Malibu. But mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the at the end of the day, is that it's the voices that I have to be in control of and, and take the power away from. So the only thing that helps me do that um, are these rooms. Talking to mm-hmm. you is helping me today. Talking to those two gentlemen that are upstairs, that helped me today. Why do you think it's helpful? Mm-hmm. Do you think, I know you said it does, you know, we talked about it not giving it power by voicing yeah. it. 
But does it make you feel like you're not alone? Does it help it? What do you feel like it's actually doing for you to be connected to community and to talk about that community? It's just, I'm not for me and, and, and I can only speak for myself. I'm, you know, and I've, I've asked Heather to maybe she'll take me to a woman's meeting. I feel safe. I think probably it stems back from my days as a child being, but I maybe be with women to do an AA meeting. Um, I used to look online and be that little watcher in the corner without, in, you know, without in, uh, in, infusing anything, without speaking up. Um, for me, it gives me solace. It gives me comfort. Mm. I don't have family in this country. And I always think about that when my kids are with their dad and I last Christmas, you know, he's remarried and he's got a baby and the kids love the baby, And it's so beautiful. And his, his wife is lovely not to put all my stuff out there, but, but the fact of them up there, it gave me such comfort because she's such a lovely woman. And it makes me happy to know that they're in a good place and that they love her. I was sad for, sometimes I get sad for myself. I think, well, I want, I should be back home, but then I've moved and so many life changes. Once I go down that road and I start to feel sorry or go, oh, you know, I don't have anyone here. That's me. I don't want to date anyone. I'm the reason I chose to move away from my home country. I choose to be single, you know? It's me who has I've made these choices. So don't wallow in self-pity. Like, get up, girl. Girl, mm. get up. Right? You know what? That's, that's right there, which you said, Jillian. You said, you know, get up, girl. Because now with you getting up, when I think about it, you were as you and I were talking before, there's so many things now that you're getting to experience mm-hmm. for the first time sober. Yeah. What are some of those things, Jillian, that are different getting to experience sober? Oh, such a great question. I used to uh, format my day around restaurants and where we go to drink and what I had home. I had a clear fridge. And I remember coming home from a social event, drinking what was left in the fridge and getting up the next day. And I was like, wait a minute. I had two bottles of Rombauer. Where'd they go? And looking in the blue bin and seeing two empty bottles. Social events is, is, is incredible to meet people again for the first time. Um, the whole sex thing, I could care less. I mean, I can't say, oh, I've had it. Of course I've had sober sex. But I mean, on a meaningful level, as a sober person who's present, who doesn't have to say, oh, I'm going to go for a drink after this or have a drink before. Never happened. Um, I think the most important thing for me I, has always been my children. Um, I've never, ever wanted to date or bring somebody home. I've just never. I don't feel comfortable. I, I, I have friends that have done that. And they're married, remarried. That's normal to me, right? But I'm not normal. I always think like my kids are two feet away. I don't want to have a man in my bed. And I know that sounds crazy. And I, I see everyone else. No, it else. doesn't sound crazy. I mean, I think it's, you know, understanding when I hear your background, especially thinking about what happened to you as a child. Right. Of course, that yes. is your thought process and wanting to protect your children. So Fair I enough. can totally understand it. And I think what you've shared, even just going through those first, like the first experience of meeting somebody and interacting at a party sober, you know, people, that's a big deal and learning to relive your life. So how does it feel? You know, when you get in your gut, how does it feel to be present and to be sober? It feels wonderful. And it feels awkward at times. There are times when I'm like, okay, yeah, 
we've done an hour here. We don't need, I don't need to sit, you know, they'll like to continue to drink or go to the next place and drink. Those days are gone. I'm good for an hour and I'm home. Like, I don't care. Um, I remember when I did stuff for that 13 month block um, after I met my birth mom, I, it was wonderful. It was scary, but I always knew I'd go back to drinking. I always, now, no, I don't want to. How do you know you won't go back now? That's a great question because before I used to go and kind of white knuckle it a little bit. Look at people get jealous. They're drinking wine. Oh, I wish I could. I'm not going to now. It's a choice I make. So before I go out, I don't care who's there. I don't care who drinks. I don't care how much they drink. I don't judge them for what they do. I'm responsible for me. So when I get behind the wheel of my car and I go to meet somebody and they're all drinking at dinner, I say, I'll have the soda. I'll have the LaCroix, please, with a slice of lime. And I'm ingesting that. I know that if I take a sip of wine, that's going to lead to a glass. That glass is going to loosen me up and I'm going to order another one. I'll say, I drank like a human being tonight. I had two glasses and I'll go home and go, you know what? Mm. I already had two glasses. I might as well have a bottle and open it up. And that bottle will be gone. So I play the tape. And when I talk to, yeah, I have to play that tape because that one sip, I know where it's going to bring me. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's going to bring me right back to where I was. And I cannot go there. It will kill me. The cancer will not kill me. That will kill me. And and mark mm-hmm. my words. Mark my words. If I were to drink again, I will I will end up dead from 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 alcohol abuse. And it won't be psoriasis of my liver. It will be me behind the wheel of a car or something of that nature. Because that's how fast and furious I was. Uh reckless. Reckless. And I look at my life today and I know that I'm responsible for me and I'm responsible for my, my kids. Uh, and, and, and I, and I love, I have had had dreams where I've had a drink and I wake up and I'm so upset at myself for that second. I'm like, Oh, you idiot. And then I'm like, Oh, I didn't drink. Okay. It was a dream. It was, Um, because I've heard that happens, but something you said, I want to touch on this Jillian because I, what you said was so powerful as a breast cancer survivor, you're more concerned that if you drank again, that you would die from drinking than you would from breast cancer. That is, I think it just helps people to understand the magnitude of what it's like to struggle with an addiction. I think that really, really hits home. So as we wrap this up, Jillian, I want you to tell me if there were three things that you want people to take from your story, that you hope they learn from your journey, what mm. would that be? I know I'm putting you on the spot there, but it may be no. only good too, but I, if there were three things that you want people to learn from your journey. Well, I would say, number one, if there is something inside of you at a young age, I was drinking, I don't even want to say the age. And that's why I, people are like, why do you, why are you like that with your daughter? I say, because she's a good girl. Um, She's 15 and she's such a good girl. Hmm. Um, If I could go back as a teenager, you know, back here, if you're drinking to uh, forget, Hmm. try to get a hold on it then. Talk to somebody. You know, recently my daughter, and I'll just give you this as an analogy. um, 
my daughter had something happen in her life and there was someone and she was the kind of that girl of the group. And I went, she was the bad girl of the group. So I went on and she was a friend of a friend of a friend. And I went on uh, my group chat with seven of the girls that I still talk to that were my friends back in Canada from sixth grade up to wow. university. And I was telling them the story. And all six of them were like, do you, do you not see the irony in all of this? And I'm like, what? Because I was like, she was that girl. And she was out drinking with her boyfriend. And they're 15. And they're like, really? Was she? Ooh. And they're like waiting for me to get it. And I never got it. And they're like, you were that girl. You know? <laughs> and I was. And I put my parents through hell. And I hate that I did that. I would say, look for the signs in your early self and listen to that little voice. You're drinking a little more than your friends. Think about why and try to get to the core of it. I'd also say, you know, um, I always knew in the back of my mind that I was, that I was different, that I was a different drinker. I couldn't drink like a normal human being. Uh, my advice would be, you know, to play that tape that you could, you know, I always say to Heather, uh, you know, that girl, I could be driving. I, I would want to kill myself or I kill someone else. It because I couldn't live with myself if I did that to someone under the influence. And that scares me to the core. When you were mentioning breast cancer, and I'm sorry, I'm not saying on all three of my mom goes but breast cancer for me. I had a surgical oncologist that scooped all the cancer out of my breast and my lymph nodes. Then I had a, a chemo oncologist that came in and put the poison into me. Right. And took me to the brink. I told her, take me to the brink of death and pull me back. Be as aggressive as you can be. I didn't want to think about breast cancer. I had two kids, nine and 11, that I was raising on my own, battling breast cancer and working in radio every single day. I'm not saying this at, oh, way, yay is me. No, there are single moms everywhere that do way more than I do. Um, I'm saying it to say alcohol is more powerful for me then fighting, I don't like saying fighting cancer because I know women that just like me had breast cancer. And, Indeed. you know, yeah. and I want to say this to ladies out there and men, men get breast cancer. One in eight of us get it. It comes back to one in four of us. And when it does, it will be stage four. And it usually comes back to your brain, your liver, or your bones. So please mm -hmm. get mammograms. But I'm not even afraid of that. I'm afraid of taking a sip of alcohol. That scares me more than my mammograms or anything that a sonogram can tell me or a biopsy. That sip of alcohol scares me more. Um, I've watched some people that I've met on social media platforms for breast cancer uh, where it comes back and they don't have alcohol issues. And it and it really racks me. But I'm mm. sorry. It's OK. Girl, that's a lot. I can Everyone, understand, you know, hearing stories and yeah. even you said just you've had a really challenging, you know, last month too. So this goodbye, space, goodbye so to them is, is hard for me because having cancer, that disease crawls. And it took me, my friend was in detox. She was down the street when I was battling breast cancer um, and she would go to group and she would have a hard time saying that she had a disease. And she would say, my friend up the street, meaning me, she has a disease. I don't. And I told her, look, like, 
have a disease because you. And now she's there for me, right? She and I are alcoholics. And we, I see her, Heather, on a daily basis. And I say, we, if we. Is this Heather Locklear that you're talking about? It is Heather Locklear. And I can say her name because she said I could say her name. She kept saying she did it to herself. She said, you have a disease. My friend has a disease up the street because I, with the breast cancer. And I said, but you do too. And then I got, then I came out with the disease. I said, see, this is worse than my breast cancer for me. And mm. I think it helped her understand that she was battling a disease. And I hope I helped understand that at least. But um, we all have our struggles. And whatever, I, my, my piece of advice is this. Please try to stay now, right? Just right, right now. What's happening right in this moment? My kids are healthy. And no matter what God has in store for me, I'm going to do my best to get through it. And I don't want to look behind because it's depressing. <laughs> and I don't want to mm-hmm. You want to look about you want, I understand because that. And, and I, I have no really did ask a question, Jillian. So I had to get that question in before I asked my final, final question, because this interview has touched me, you know, just hearing your story. It's, it's been, I know just from the comments has been impactful. So I hope that you walk away from today, knowing that you impacted somebody's life just from sharing your story. But somebody did ask the question, how long were you drinking? I know you said you started when you were in your teenage years. So Probably most of your life. Oh, yeah. I took sip twelve. Yeah, you said first sip and, at twelve. Okay. Yeah, and then heavily partying 15, 16. I was never a drugger. I'm not saying that to brag. Who cares? I mean, I tried it. I didn't like it. It wasn't for me. Trust me. If it was for me, I would have been doing it. Um. When did I discover painkillers? I discovered those. Pro- I was a late bloomer. I was mm. a late bloomer. You 38 was when you kind of started doing the hard drugs along with alcohol. Correct. I tried experimenting more. I, I tried them at, that 38. at 38, tried them. And then, of course, when uh, everything changed, marriage and motherhood, that was the end of that for me. But drinking was the one constant. I could have given up. I had no problem giving those up. So if you were to put a bottle of Percocet, Vicodin, uh, whatever drug you choose, and uh, a, a, a bottle of Rombauer Chardonnay every day. Rombauer Chardonnay every day, all day. And the day drinking started just before my cancer. And that was a well, I've got nothing else to do. I've dropped the kids off at school, and so and so is bringing them back. You know, that's that whole woe is me. I was a good host and I want me, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and you bury yourself. And yeah, I've been through a lot. So everybody has, we've all had. St- I know Jillian, I know you say that, but I'm looking at the comments and I'm looking at all the things that you've overcome and you are a survivor just in your mentality <laughs> and the fact that you're rebuilding and you said it's been beautiful yes. that you're rebuilding. Yes. So my last question for you is what's next girlfriend? TV show again, potentially. Um, you know, unless it, if it was about, you know, I, 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 there's a reason that shows like the talk of you exist because women of a certain age, you get it. You've been there and done that. And when I came here today, I see younger people that watch me growing up and they're like, oh, you were my style icon or you were this or that. This part of my life, I'm, 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 uh, 
I've been through a lot. I want to help people that also have been through. I want to be that motivational speaker. And I think, well, then, you know, on the way down here, I was was thinking, how could I be a motivational speaker? Because I cry all the time. But then I think, but that's part of it, right? That's the transparency that people love about you so much. Well, thank you for saying that. One of the gentlemen today was talking about, you know, falling off the wagon. And I said, and that's part of recovery. So I don't pretend to think having 13 months under my belt is anything big. I always think of one person and this is the person I, I didn't know him. I didn't interview him, but he had 23 years sober and he was a big, incredible actor. And in one particular scene, he decided he was playing a drinker I'm going to put real whiskey in there. And I, and, and one of the drinkers was like, I don't think that's a good idea. Ooh, you know, on my set, ah, I don't want to be the one. And that one bit of whiskey led to some hardcore drinking for a few weeks that led him back to the original drug of choice that killed him. And whoa, he had 23 years. Mm. Right. That's sobering. And that's why everybody says it's one day at a time, you know, and yes. that we know. And I think what you said what was so powerful to Heather Locklear when you said to her, this is a disease. And I think that if more people realize like it's a disease as if somebody had diabetes, that it's something that you will manage for the rest of your life. And sometimes people do relapse. But, but the you thing know, is, Joy, what were you going to say? I know you're going to say something good, Jillian. I have to say there's a stigma attached and I've had both diseases, breast cancer and alcoholism. And I think, you know, when Heather would say to me, but you have a disease and I don't, I was like, and I remember Dr. Drew said to me to tell Heather, you tell her this is a disease. And he's an addiction specialist and I Mm -hmm. love him. And I, you know, when I realized that I was an alcoholic realized Accepted when I I accepted, when I admitted, Mm -hmm. thank you. (laughs) And I went to Heather and talked about it. Then she, it was almost like she had my breast cancer up here on diseases and her down here. And when I came to her and said that I'm you right now, we're equal. It's the stigma of, and it's really sad because when I tell people that I had breast cancer, there is a certain amount of empathy or sympathy. Mm. That they're like, oh, but then if you say I'm an alcoholic, I'm recovering, mm. I, I'm sober, but I'm still an alcoholic. They don't look at it as the same as mm. breast cancer. So that's what I wanted to share with you. And Heather being who she is, even she didn't see it, Right. So how can people who are not in our position as addicts understand it? That is my quest. I think it's to tell people to normalize it, to, you know, everyone says to me, you should write a book. I I don't even know where I'd start. I'd rather do a speaking. Well, you know what, Jillian, all you would have to do is talk and let somebody record it and we would turn (laughs) that into a book. But I would love to. Because there's just so much, you have so much insight and wisdom. And I think it's rare you know, often to me, people who are such in the public eye and are able to be so transparent mm-hmm. and to be so real. And I think that maybe you should write a book, but I do think you sharing your story is impactful. And Thank I'm you. excited to see where you're going to end up. 
I'm excited because we're going to follow you to see what you do with this. And I hope that even coming on Addiction Talk, it's like an open door for you. It's been so nice to be able to talk about everything. And and because I have been transparent in my entire career, admitting I'm an alcoholic certainly wasn't going to be the time that I was going to become a closed book. Um, I am transparent. I've made a career of being transparent, and I'm certainly not going to stop now. And if anything... Shows like yours help people, everyday people, people who don't even have addiction issues. It's so wonderful to just be part of it. Maybe they have a child that's struggling. You know, I love to talk to people that to try to make them understand this is what it's like, you know, and maybe Ruby needs to go into something where in Rocco, where Mm -hmm. a child of an alcoholic, it's a whole, as you know, familiar family. Yeah. yeah. And we're and we and the thing about it, Jillian, as we wrap up, everybody knows somebody. Oh, so true. Whether yes. we want to admit it or not, we know someone. If it's not ourselves, it's six degrees of separation. So this isn't something that we can just get away from and act like it doesn't impact us all. Mm-hmm. It impacts us all. And I do it think does. we have to deal with that stigma. And I we mean- have to keep talking about it. Absolutely. It takes all of that power away. And I've worked with people that say alcoholism is a choice to my Mm. face. (laughs) And, um, you know, that's just who they are. And they believe that. And that's okay. And maybe that makes them feel better about their own drinking. Who knows? And that's them. That's their journey. We all have our own journeys. But I do believe that my journey is to now help other people on their journey. I hope I can be a little bit of their uh, journey. And that makes me feel good. So I'm just, you know, today has been such a great day for me to share with you and be here at this facility and meet people who are, um, who are living it because we're all in it together, right? (laughs) We really are. Well, thank you so much, Jillian. Um, We are definitely going to stay in touch and see where you end up and, you know, how you take this to the next step and sharing your story. And thank Mm -hmm. you all for joining us on tonight. And that's going to do it for another edition of Addiction Talk, everyone. Have a good night. Thank you so much.